Amen. Thank you, brother. Great job as always. Ain't God good? <laughs> and all the time? Ah, we can do better than that. Ain't God good? And all the time? <laughs> Amen. Um, what a powerful song. My favorite line in that song is when it says, let us become more aware of the presence of the Lord. How many of y'all believe the Word of God to be true? That we can trust in His promises. Well, it promises us in the Word of God that where two or three are gathered together, that He is in the midst. So when we come together as the people of God, we can trust full well that God meets with us. So we must ask ourselves, why is it from time to time we are more aware of His presence than we are at other times? Well, I'll tell you what I believe. I think a lot of times we come with hearts and minds clouded by everything else, and it hinders us from becoming aware of God's presence among us. It hinders us from encountering God Himself. And folks, if we come to church and miss an, an encounter with the Lord, then um, we haven't got what we needed from church. <laughs> so um, tonight, let's clear our minds and hearts of everything else. Let's put our focus on the Lord. Let's come tonight with expectation, trusting that God is able to give us exactly what we need. And, and that's what we must do each and every time we come together. Get our hearts and minds right. Come to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And tonight, let's be desperate for what God has for us. Uh, well, I never want to come and just go through the motions. I never want to come and just do what we uh, have always done. Let's come ready to receive what God has for us. And I can promise you this, if we come ready to receive it, He's ready to give it. He's not hiding from us. That's the great thing about the God we serve. He don't hide from us. He's ready to meet us right where we are. Man, I love that. Uh, what a blessing it is. So that is my prayer tonight, that we become more aware of His presence, because His presence makes all the difference. It really does. So this evening, I'm happy to say that we are starting a brand new study in the Word of God. As many of you know, we on Wednesday nights, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through a book of the Bible. And um, there's a lot of reasons why we do that. But before we get started um, with our new study this evening, I, I want to give you just two of those reasons. And I want you to think about these two words. I want you to think about authority. And I want you to think about application. What do I mean when I say that the Word of God, the Bible, has authority? Well, it means that God, um, in His Word, has given us His absolute truth. How many of you believe the Word of God to be His absolute truth to you and I? I'm talking about from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books, folks, is God's absolute truth for you and for me. And because it is God's absolute truth, because it is our standard, then it has authority. See, the Word of God, um, first of all, shows us who God is. And folks, again, if we miss out on who God is, well, we've missed everything. Now, not only does it show us who God is, but it also shows us who we ourselves are. It tells us who we are as men, women, boys, and girls. So when we start seeing who God is and who we are, then we see our great need for Him. And so the Bible tells us how much we need the Lord. But now listen, 
That's not all of it. It also tells us what God has done for us in the person of his son. And so when we are reaching up to God because we realize our great need for him, he reached down for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing. So the Bible shows us who we are, who God is. But now listen, the Bible also shows us um, how we can live godly lives that are pleasing unto him in the current life uh, the current world that we live in right now. But let me tell you what else it does for us, folks. And we've got to get a hold of this. It gets us ready for the eternity that we're all going to face. And each and every one of us are going to face eternity somewhere. So the Bible, in its truth, tells us how we can live out our life here presently, but also get ready for the eternity in the future that we're all going to face when we leave this walk of life. And so praise the Lord for his word. I'm so thankful for the Bible. What a blessing it is in my life and has been in my life. I love Dr. Francis Chan, uh, Brother Nathan in his Sunday school class is doing a study of crazy love right now. And um, I watched a video that he had sent out this morning that Francis Chan did. And one thing he said in there is today might be the day that we see God. <laughs> And do you know there's going to come a day when we're going to see him? Now, folks, when I see him, I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's, that's what I want to hear. And the only way that's going to happen is if we take God's word and start applying that to our life. Don't just think about authority. Authority is very, very important. But think about application. How does this word, how do I apply it to my life? See, I want you to come tonight and enjoy the service. I hope and pray that you enjoy the study of God's word and being with God's people in God's presence in God's place. That's an amazing thing. But what I want more than anything else is for what happens tonight in this place to change you tomorrow, to change you when you get home, to help you be a better husband or a, or a wife or a mother or a father or an employee or a friend. Or a witness. I want us to take what we learn from God's precious truth and then apply that to our lives. Man, that's my passion. That's what I want to see because let me tell you what I know to be true because it's been true and it's true in my life right now. The, the preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still changing lives. I'm telling you, the preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still saving souls. I know this. Do you know in the last two weeks right here at Mount Zion, we've had two people come to know Jesus as a personal Savior? Praise the Lord for that. Folks, I want to tell you something. That blesses my soul. I'm thankful to know that God is still working on the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls. The preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still saving souls. The preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still healing homes. Do you know it? It's still fixing marriages. It's still fixing relationships between mamas and daddies and kids. And man, that's a huge thing. That's an amazing thing. The preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still breaking addictions. I know that is true because those things that once had a stronghold and stranglehold on my life, listen, by the truth of the Word of God being applied and the power of the Holy Spirit at work on me, in me, and through me, those addictions have been broken. Now, if God can do it for me, he can do it for everybody. I'm telling you. 
So I want you to understand and know we need to understand the authority, the importance of the Word of God, the relevance of the Word of God, the realness of the Word of God in your day-to-day life because this is a living Word. But folks, you've also got to make application of this truth to yourself. you got to live it out. you got to walk it out daily. And when you do that, I can promise you God's Word works for you if you work it. It'll work in your marriage. It'll work in the relationship with your kids. It'll work in the decisions and choices that you make daily. It'll make a real difference in your life if we apply it. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we're preaching through the Word of God. That's why we're making sure we get a steady diet of that which feeds our spirit. And that which feeds our spirit is none other than the Bible, the Word of God itself. Praise the Lord for the standard, the truth of Scripture that makes a difference in your life and in my life. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making this a priority in your life as we study together. I cannot wait to get into the book of Daniel tonight. So turn over there with me, Daniel chapter number one. We're going to get just as far as we can. Really what I want to do tonight is just introduce the book. I don't know how far we'll get into the book of Daniel, but I want us to see the importance and relevance of Daniel itself and what it means for us right now. In the current climate in which we live, in the day in which we live, where we live right now, I can't think of a book more relevant than the book of Daniel. I really can't. Daniel deals with stuff in his life right here on the pages of Scripture that we are dealing with or certainly will deal with in our life as we live out our faith. So Daniel is relevant for us. Again, let me... uh, encourage you to read this week Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says that the word of God is quick and powerful. Do a quiet time just on that verse and find out what that means for you. Allow God the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart and life. When the Bible says that the word of God is quick, it means it's alive. These are not just dusty words written on a page thousands of years ago. This is truth that will impact your life today. And so uh, I can tell you, Daniel is truly relevant for our lives in which we live right now, the current climate of which we live and in, in the, in the place we live, no doubt about it. Listen, Daniel is important for at least three reasons. First of all, it's important for us socially, socially, because Daniel dealt with things in his society that we are dealing with in our society. You see, Daniel was made a slave when the, um, the nation of Babylon came and actually took over, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, desecrated the temple. We'll see that as we study. Daniel was taken prisoner back to Babylon and was made a slave under Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel spent over, uh, he spent 70 years in captivity and God used him greatly to actually, um, give his people freedom and we'll see that as we study through it it's amazing how the lord used daniel and how faithful daniel was but daniel found himself in a society that was against god and against his truth and folks i want to tell you something this is the current society that we live in right now i'm telling you to a large degree is against god and against his truth and if you don't believe that you've got to get your head out of the sand I know that, hey, we've all got grand visions of what America is and what America used to be, but I I, I promise you, the America of today is much different than the America of yesterday and yesteryear. Much different. 
I never thought I would see the decisions and choices that have been made in my lifetime. I'll be honest with you. I never ever thought that we would actually see a card-carrying socialist become a candidate for the President of the United States. And we're seeing that now more than ever. We have got to be so very careful and make sure we stick with the standard of truth. No doubt about it. We got to. We must. George Barna done a survey in 2016 on the state of the church. And he concluded through his survey that we live in a post-Christian society. And after I read what he found out, it's hard for me to argue against that. It really is. Let me tell you what he's, I'm not going to go through all of this. I, I know that statistics bore you sometimes, but it, it helps us to see where we are. And folks, if we don't see where we are, we'll never get to where we need to be. And so we've got to get a good look at really where we are and what's happening in the world we live in. Because the truth is, where we live, we're kind of in a bubble, it seems as though we are. And we don't know what's going on in other places around our nation and around our world. So George Barna, he actually says that 73% of Americans today identify as Christians. 73%. Now, most of that, as we're going to see through the rest of this study, is a cultural Christianity. A lot of people believe just because you've been born in the United States, you're born Christian. How many of you know nobody is born physically into the family of God? You must be born again spiritually to be in the family of God. Nobody is just is a Christian since they've been here. That's a decision you make, a conscious choice you make to place your faith in Christ. And so, but 73% identify as Christians in this nation. Now get this, 35% of the 73% who identify as Christians identify as being born again. So let me ask you, how did the other 38 become Christians? The, the other 38% says that they're Christians, but they don't claim to have been born again. Do you see the disconnect from the truth of Scripture and what we say we believe? It's amazing to me. 35% say they're born again. Now, this is really what got me. Only 25% of that 30, of that 73% believe in the authority of Scripture. 23% of the 73% who claim to be Christians in this nation believe in the absolute standard, the authority of Scripture. It's amazing. Now, George Barna then even gets this down to a smaller group. And he says that the most influential Christians are the smallest group. And it's the 7% of evangelical Christians. But there were some criteria he used to be considered as an evangelical Christian. This is only 7% of the 73% who claim to be Christians in this nation. He said that the evangelical Christians believe that saving faith is very important in their life today, that it's making a difference in their life they're living right now. Now, how many times have I told you, don't put your faith in some prayer you prayed 20 years ago that never made any difference in your life? What's God doing in your life right now? What's God doing in your life today? 
Because I think we've given a lot of people a lot of false hope by saying just pray this prayer, sign this card, go through the baptistry and you're saved. Well, maybe so, maybe not. Have you truly placed your faith in Jesus? Do you know God the Holy Spirit has done a work on the inside that is making a difference on the outside? Has there been a change in your life? Do you desire the things of God? Do you love God and love people? Because that's the test that we've really got to look to in our life. That's the evidence the fruit that is born in the life of a child of God. But only 7% say that saving faith is very important in their life today. Of the evangelical Christians that he uh, puts in this group, he says they believe in sharing their faith, uh, that, that it is a necessity for a child of God to share their faith. 7% of professing Christians Believe we should be telling others about Jesus. I believe what Dr. Adrian Rogers always said. He said that if you don't have a faith you want to give away, you ought to give it up. I believe that. Folks, I want people to know the Jesus I know. Because the Jesus I know has changed my life. He's changing my family. He's given me peace that passeth all understanding. He's given me purpose in my life to know why I'm here, what I'm created for. He's forgiven me of my sin. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's my ever-present help in a time of need. He's the one I run to. He's my strong tower. That's my Jesus. I want other people to know that because I feel sorry for folks who are just wandering through life like lost sheep. You know, that's what Jesus said uh, when he was standing up on uh, the, the mountainside there uh, beside Jerusalem. He began to weep and he said, they're all like sheep wandering around without a shepherd. I look at people at my workplace. I look at people in my family, my friend groups that... I see that too. They're just wandering around trying to do the best they can do. And I want them to know there's a better way. Jesus is the way. We've got the answer. We've got to give it. So why is it that only 7% of professing Christians believe it's a necessity to share your faith? That bothers me. Only 7% in this evangelical Christian group that Borna uh, gives here says that only 7% believe that Satan exists. 7% of professing Christians, only 7 believe that Satan actually exists. The greatest tool of the enemy is to get you to believe he's not real. C.S. Lewis makes that point in his book, The Screwtape Letters. And if you've never read that, I want to encourage you to do so. It shows you the inner workings of Satan and his demons, and he does a great job with it. But that just blew my mind when I saw it. 7% believe in the authority of Scripture. 7% of professing Christians in this country believe that salvation is only possible by grace through faith. So it's hard for me to argue with the Barna Research Group, when they say we live in a post-Christian society, that it's no, it's no wonder why we're facing the things that we are facing. It's no wonder why over 66 million babies have been aborted in the name of convenience. It's easy for me to see when I start seeing numbers like this. 
Folks, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Salt irritates. Salt. Listen to me now. It, it causes, uh, it, it gives a taste <laughs> to the world, a savor to the world. It changes uh, everything that it's around. And we ought to be the catalyst for change in the society that we live in by the power of God. And if we're not being that, we're not really being the church. We're just the church in name only. If we're not shining a light in the dark place we live in, then we're not being the church but in name only. And so I can see why I was watching, I guess yesterday or the day before, a little bit of the confirmation hearing that's going on right now with the new Supreme Court Justice. And I, I don't know this woman personally, certainly don't know her in that, that well, but what I have read about her and what I do know about her, I really like. When the Washington Post, probably the most liberal left-wing newspaper in the country comes out and says that she's a good Christian woman, that pretty much tells me all I need to know about this lady. I mean, if they're willing to say that, and what, what's been amazing to me, the thing that's been attacked more than anything else in the questioning that I've seen is her faith. Over and over and over again. Let me ask you something. What's wrong with following Jesus? How is that hurting anybody? Because if you follow Jesus, guess what you do? You just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you follow Jesus, how is that going to hurt? Because if you follow Jesus, he said that we are to love others as he has loved us. If you follow Jesus, you do stuff like she's done, like adopt kids from Haiti, for goodness sake. So why is it that every question is attacking her faith? Why is it okay for Ilhan Omar to stand up and spew her hate toward Israel and even toward this nation? Everybody says, well, she's protected because she can believe in her religion like she wants to believe. So why can this woman believe like she wants to believe, but then this Supreme Court justice up for nomination, why can't she believe like she wants to? Well, I'll tell you why. It all goes back to what Jesus said in John 15. If they've persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they've hated me, they will hate you also because the servant is not greater than the master. Folks, socially speaking, Daniel was in a place where the society was against God and against his truth. And now more than ever, I see that in the society we live in. I never thought I would see the day when pastors in the United States of America were being fined by the local government for having church. Breaks my heart and it ought to break yours as well. So I think Daniel is relevant for the world in which we find ourselves today. Not only socially speaking, but Daniel is very important prophetically speaking. 
Now, I know a lot of people have differing ideas on whether, whether to teach prophecy or preach on prophecy or learn about prophecy. Some say that it's not uh, relevant in the world we live in for now, but I disagree because, folks, if you uh, uh, negate prophecy from the Bible, you're going to take out about one-fourth of the Bible itself. Twenty-five percent of the Bible is prophetic. G. Campbell Morgan, when talking about Daniel, he said that a lot of people um, consider Isaiah to be the prince of prophets. He said if Isaiah is the prince, then Daniel is the king. <laughs> I like that. I told you when we studied our, through the, the book of Revelation a few years ago that you'll never really understand all that we saw in Revelation until you understand everything prophesied in Daniel. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, I still don't understand all of it, and, and none of us will ever understand all of it, but we'll never get a right understanding of the direction we're headed and what God's got for our future without the book of Daniel. So prophetically speaking, it's very important. I love that God's Word is the only book I know of that tells the ending from the beginning. It's amazing to me that people spend millions upon millions of dollars on demon-possessed soothsayers and mediums, but all you got to do really is just look to the Word of God. One of the greatest evidences that the Word of God is truly His absolute truth for us is that prophecy is real and right. We're going to see that through the book of Daniel. It's amazing. Daniel 2.44 is the key verse in all the book of Daniel. And I know that we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to start in Daniel 1, but I just had to read for you Daniel 2.44. How many of you understand that we need to study prophecy because prophecy points to Jesus? Every prophetic book, whether it be Isaiah, whether it be Daniel, whether it be Revelation, whatever prophetic book that you're talking about in the entirety of the Bible, all points to Jesus. Every one of them. Daniel does too. Look in Daniel 2, verse number 44. Listen to what the Bible tells us. And in the days of these, kings shall, be, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You say, brother, what do you mean? How does that talk about Jesus? Well, it's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that will consume all other kingdoms and will never be destroyed. How many of you know you can't have a kingdom without a king? And we know Jesus to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We know Jesus to be the one with, by, to whom every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. So the kingdom that's being spoken of here is the kingdom of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And Daniel tells us how all of these end time things are going to unfold and what we need to be looking for. It's amazing. A.C. <clears throat> Gablin, a great Christian writer from the 1800s. Listen to what he says about Daniel in the book of prophecy. It says, prophecy is the lamp that shines until the day dawns. Never before is there such a need for this lamp as right now. Now, if he said that in the late 1800s, it's certainly true today, wouldn't you agree? We're in the darkness of night and we need some light from the Word of God to shine until the day dawns. That's what Daniel does for us. So Daniel is certainly important, relevant, socially speaking. It's important prophetically speaking. 
But now, folks, it's also very important culturally speaking. Now, what I mean when I say culturally speaking, our culture is, is how we believe life ought to be lived or how we live our lives. Now, a lot of people have differing beliefs and differing lifestyles around us at all times. Would you agree? Again, we're seeing a lot of differing lifestyles around us right now. Everywhere. Seems to be the most popular thing to live in some kind of alternative way. Well, that's not only true for today, that was also true for Daniel's day. And we'll see how that applies to us. But let me tell you what Daniel does. Daniel is used of the Lord greatly because he meets people where they are. He gives them truth, but he also gives them love. If there's ever been a time that we need to give people truth, it's today. But how many of you know truth without love is harshness? Some of the, sometimes what I see in the world I live in, some of the most abrasive, harsh, mean-spirited people are those who claim the name of Jesus. Folks, listen to me. That should never be what a child of God looks like. I was talking to a guy just the other day at my workplace and actually inviting him to come to church. And he started telling me about some bad experiences he had had with Christians and why he didn't want to come to church. And he had not one, not two, but several different instances in his life where he felt that he was being railroaded and judged harshly by someone who claimed the name of Jesus. See, what happens many times, we're so zealous toward the truth, and that's certainly not a bad thing. We need to be zealous toward the truth, that, that we forget to love. That's not how Jesus operated. Get, take your Bibles, keep your place there in the book of Daniel, and flip over with me to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as, as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were not born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, verse 14 says, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Watch what it says. Full of grace and truth. Now it's good to speak truth and preach truth and live out truth and stand for truth. But listen, we've got to mix truth with grace. We've got to show people love while speaking the truth. And that's what Jesus did, and that's certainly what Daniel does. In a country, in a land, in a society that was completely against God and against His truth, Daniel was a shining light that made an amazing difference. And he did it, folks, by preaching truth and showing love, showing some grace. And if we're going to really make a difference in the society we live in, we've got to do it by, yes, preaching truth. But we've got to show grace. We've got to 
Love people right where they are. That's what Daniel does. Now, how did he do it? Two words. First of all, he did it with character. Character. Now, listen to me, folks. Character is the father of conduct. Your conduct reveals your character. And that was certainly true for Daniel. He had character. God was, had done and was doing, did do, all throughout his ministry, and that's what it was in Babylon. God done a work in his life, which gave him a Christ-like character. And his Christ-like character produced Christ-like conduct. Same is true for me and you. If we're really going to make a difference, it starts with character. <laughs> now listen, Daniel was first of all a man of prayer. All throughout the book of Daniel, we're going to see references to Daniel being a man of prayer. I want to give you just a few of them. You can write them down if you choose and look at them. But Daniel chapter number 2, verses 17 through 23, you see that Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, you see that Daniel's prayer life was spoken of. Daniel 9, 3 through 13 is, spoke, is speaking about Daniel's prayer life. Daniel chapter 10, we see that Daniel had a strong prayer life. I mean, the prayer life of Daniel is outlined for us on the pages of this book pretty much everywhere you turn. Jesus said that Daniel was a prophet. <laughs> and he prophesied because he had heard from God. And he had heard from God, I believe, because he was a man of prayer. And that's what it takes. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer. Daniel got his word firsthand. Amen. And we have it written for us right here. We hear from God in the written word. How I many you know you hear from God? You, God speaks to you through his word. We speak to God through prayer. And if we're going to be like Daniel, we've got to be men and women of prayer. We must. Daniel was also a man of purpose. Now what I mean when I say Daniel was a man of purpose, he knew what God had called him to do and he lived that out. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, and we'll see this next week. Daniel was commanded to eat the same thing that the Babylonians were eating. But in doing that, he would have violated the law of Moses. Daniel being a man of faith. Now, now and I want you to get this too. When Daniel was taken into captivity, he was, just, he was probably about 16, 17 years old. And this 16, 17-year-old boy stands up before the most powerful man in the world. And he says, I'm going to live by what God says. Now, he don't do it in a harsh way. He don't do it in a way that would keep the Nebuchadnezzar from, from uh, or the man that was in authority over him from, from, from being heard in any way. He just does it in a way that God leads him to do it, and God uses it greatly. We'll see that, but... The, the point is, Daniel lived according to purpose. Not his purpose, not the purpose of his captors, but the purpose of his God. And if we're going to be like Daniel and make a difference in our society, we've got to be people of purpose. Now, being people of purpose is not popular. You already know that, don't you? 
living out your faith is not popular in the world we live in, but that's okay. That's okay. We're not living for the world. We're not living to please the world. We live for Jesus. We look to Jesus. We serve Jesus. Our life is in Christ. So don't worry about being popular with everyone else. Worry about living according to God's purpose for your life. And our purpose as men and women of God is to glorify Him. That's what Daniel does. He was a man of character, therefore he's a man of prayer. He's a man of purpose. And being a man of character, our character changed his conduct. Made all the difference. Daniel has been scrutinized, tried to have been discredited by liberal theologians for hundreds of years. But again, if Jesus says Daniel is a prophet, I'm going with Jesus. And we'll see next week how Jesus said Daniel was truly a prophet. We'll see next week as we look together in the Word of God that names mean a great deal. A name is how people know you. Daniel's name was changed but he still kept serving the Lord. Because listen to me, folks. What God says about you is much more important than what man says about you. Do you know that? What God says about you is much more important than what you yourself says about you or what I say about me. So uh, any comments or questions tonight before we close? Let me encourage you to do this. Be people of character this week. Be men and women of prayer. Allow God the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to lead God and direct you, to make a difference in the world that you live in. Be people that, listen, live according to purpose. What we know God wants. Let's go out and live it out. Let's make application of this word that has authority into our life. And see if God won't do something in you that only God can do. Let's go out and do unto others as Christ has done unto us. Let's love people like he loves us. And there's all kind of ways you can do that. Encourage somebody this week. Pray that God opens the door for you to witness somebody this week. Tell somebody that you had not told in a while you love them this week. I was so encouraged this evening. I had a brother that um, I used to be his pastor. About, uh, God, man, about 15 years ago now, close to it. I was at the gas station, and out of nowhere, he comes pulling up. He says, man, I just saw you standing there pumping gas. I just had to come back and tell you that, um, that I love you. And you used to be my pastor, and I still see you as my pastor. So it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and I love you. I was like, wow, Lord, you know what I needed today. Isn't it good when God knows what you need? Do you know you can encourage someone? You can be a blessing to someone in your life, someone that you are acquaintances with, someone that you ain't seen in a long time. Call them up and just say, I'm praying for you. I love you in the Lord. That was a blessing to me, and it'll be a blessing to someone else too. So let's look for ways we can show the love of Jesus this week. Again, apply this truth. Anybody got anything else?